Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Zakari. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Frank Zakari, and you are listening to Life-Altering Events. Now, this episode today is brought to you by the TAG Team, which is a collaboration with the Abraham Group, headed by the marketing genius Jay Abraham, who has increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 customers by over $21 billion in my company, Life Altering Events. And we are experts in business organizational development, as well as finance and scaling of organizations. Now, the tag team members have all reached a place in their lives where we want to see the next generation of businesses thrive. This is an elite and exclusive program for entrepreneurs who are looking to make an impact in the business world. We are simply looking for the best. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen, great accomplishments come out of great adversity. If you, want to, if you believe you can make a difference, go to my website, franksakari.com, for the tag team application details. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the entire world is experiencing a life-altering event at the same time with COVID-19. Now, it is changing just about everything we do, we see, and we say. As we make our way out of this worldwide crisis, some people are going to thrive and other people are going to flounder. Most people are hoping that things are going to go back to normal. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, that's not going to happen. We're going to have to find new normals, new normals in everything, in every aspect of our life. And finding this new normal, we have to make some choices. Now, we can hope the world goes back to what it once was, or we can find the courage to find the new normal and start moving forward. If this virus has altered your life to a point where you have a story where you want to share and can inspire others, contact me at at the Life Altering Event page at voiceamerica.com. Click on email the host and tell me about this event that so drastically changed your life. Now, we're going to review it for content, and if it fits well with the show, we'll add it on a future broadcast. We are now close to, we are now over 150,000 listeners, and we just added our 24th country. So, let me share your story with the world. Today, ladies and gentlemen, the key is going to be finding the new normal. Now, we've heard a lot about this, but what exactly does that mean? Now, finding the new normal is going to be a major test of leadership. And will your organization, are you going to pass this test or not? I believe leadership will be redefined. Leadership is no longer going to be, I have a title or I hold a position, or I have a lot of money. My way or the highway is over. What we're going to need are strong, calm, flexible, rational, trustworthy, and decisive leadership is critical during times of crisis. Now, these traits are not taught in grad school. I went to grad school. They never taught us this. And it's not taught on the job. So where are these leaders going to come from? Who are they going to turn to for help? Now, fortunately, today we have Nicole Bendeley, the president and CEO of K&Co, 
She is the author of the book, Winter Instinct, and she's back with us. She was with us in October, and that episode was focused on civility, and it is still one of the most listened to episodes in our history on this show. Now, Nicole is an expert in the area of leadership, organizational development, building, and leading efficient, high-performing teams. So, Nicole, welcome back to Life Altering Events. Hi, Frank. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm really excited about this conversation. It's, it's such an important one to be having. At this point in time, everyone's wondering what's going to happen. Now, Nicole, we, when we spoke at the beginning of this crisis, you and I spoke, and you told me business as usual is over. Tell our leaders what you, to our listeners what you mean. Yeah, I mean a, a couple of things, right? So there's the logistical practicality piece of, of business as usual that's over, right? So we've already heard from some companies like uh, Facebook, for example, um, where uh, I believe they've mentioned they will be permanently working remotely, right? We've got large financial institutions who have already come out and said to their staff, you know, you'll be working from home um, for 12 months at least because we just can't figure out logistically how to get people up tall buildings in an elevator while um, preventing or slowing the spread of this virus, right? So more and more businesses will be working, having their teams work remotely, and not just due to logistics, but more organizations are awakening to the realization that, hey, actually, my staff can be highly productive and are actually can be even more engaged when we work remotely, when they are working from home and can have control over, you know, uh, how they do their work. Um, and find balance in work and life. And so this new normal is going to look different with respect to where our staff are working from. That's one piece that has a ripple effect. Our new normal is also going to look different from the perspective of leadership and how leaders must lead in this new world. And I do believe it's going to be more challenging for leaders to adjust to the new business or the new norm, the new way in which we work and lead um, when we are not already grounded in those traits that you mentioned, in leaders who lead with the people-first mentality, who lead from the engagement mentality of how do I ensure my team members are able to and supported in doing their best work, regardless of whether they're in the office, working face-to-face or not. And that new normal is going to look like leaders who um, are less autocratic, leaders who focus on engaging their team members in meaningful work, um, leaders who are less micromanage, right, and, and build greater trust in their team members' ability to take on, you know, to, to work autonomously. And so it, it's a multifold, a multifold effect. The logistics are going to change. People will be working in different spaces. 
and the way in which we lead our teams are changing. Leaders are learning that team members can actually thrive working from home. They can thrive with more autonomy. Um, team leaders are learning that they also need to demonstrate more empathy and patience because so many people are juggling so many things now as we transition through this crisis. Parents are at home working full-time while homeschooling their kids or maybe caring for other family members um, who are living with them, dealing with the stresses that COVID has created on all of our lives. And so this requires leaders who also bring care and compassion in, in enabling others to pause and, and take time to, um, you know, do what else they need to do outside of work as they juggle all of these things. So that requires patience from leaders and empathy and understanding and prioritizing team member well-being. So I've just shared a lot that I think we're going to unpack through this conversation, but that's really what I was speaking to. The logistics are going to change, the way in which we lead needs to change, and also team members, too, do need to stretch themselves um, to be able to work effectively um, from home. So there is also, of course, the accountability at the team member level. Absolutely. One thing, um, Nicole had a, a webinar that I sat in on uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the things that was pointed out is that people working from home are working more hours. So those of you who are in leadership are wondering that whether well, or not doing enough work because now they can take time. They need to take their child to the doctor at noon. So they don't have to worry about, oh, my God, I got to get a kid, got to leave work and all these kinds of things. Is that what you're seeing more and more of, Nicole? I'm seeing more and more of that uh, for a couple of reasons, Um, actually more than a couple. A, like you said, right, people are working from home, and so there's less of a division, right, of, oh, I'm leaving the the office and I'm going home. So now it's family time or personal time, right? And, And I'm leaving my laptop at the office or my computer. Maybe I don't even have a laptop, right? I'm leaving work. Um, and I will return to it tomorrow morning at nine, right? Um, so now we're bringing work home. So there is no division of start and finish. And, um, that's one piece. So it's always on. We feel like we're always on. And because we have our work at home, some people really feel the need to be very responsive, uber responsive. If their boss sends them an email at nine at night, they're checking their email to make sure that their boss did or didn't send them an email and respond more than they did before, right? Because they have everything at home with them. Um, So there's that piece. And the second piece is, as for many companies and organizations, when COVID, you know, happened, I've lost track of the number of weeks now, we were in a sprint, right? A transition sprint. People, my clients, are exhausted, right? It was a sprint to pivot, to transition to working from home and to get the communication out the door, to get all of this extra work done, to be able to get the organization to a place where where it needs to be during this crisis. And so we were in a sprint and now people are exhausted. Um, So there's that piece. And now we're moving more into a marathon pace. Um, 
but people haven't had the time to replenish from that sprint. And then the third piece is the technology. The impact technology is having on our well-being and the amount of time we are spending. So software applications or, or team collaboration apps like um, Slack, for example, right? Those types of applications are designed to help remote teams in particular um, collaborate more and stay in touch more. But in this climate, in this new world, what we're seeing is now people have multiple modalities of communication. They're messaging through the chat feature of, you know, um, Slack. They're responding to emails. They're responding to texts. They're responding to instant messages. They're on Zoom putting information into the chat feature on Zoom or WebEx or whatever technology you're, you're using. And so people are overloaded with needing to communicate in real time through all of these different modalities. And what's happening is that we're seeing less focus on doing deep work and it's almost like, oh, squirrel, I've got to rep- reply to this. Oh, I'm going to, look, there's another squirrel over here, and, and now i got to focus on this. And our, our heads are spinning, and we aren't taking enough time to just de- disconnect from the technology and focus on the actual work that needs to be done. And so as a result of that, we're having to spend more time doing work because we're spending so much time responding to emails, responding to chat messages, and participating in Zoom meetings that we don't have the time to do the work. And so that's then and that's added on top of it. So we're getting more busy work and then less functional at this point. Absolutely. Now in the past, Nicole, in the past in the world that I grew up, when you were coming out of a crisis, there was a tendency to become more autocratic by leaders in the hopes of jumpstarting uh, production or, or getting them back on track again. Why is this going to be a disaster? Yeah, so, you know, if you read any of my articles on Forbes, you'll know where I stand with respect to how to lead effectively. And and my stance is based on, you know, a, a lot of research out there and our own research that we've done on leading high-performance teams and, and becoming a high-performance leader over the past 30 years. And autocratic leadership um, is detrimental to engagement, Right. Um, and we know that employee engagement um, is one of the most important factors to an organization's bottom line, right? One of the most important factors to um, productivity, to efficiency, and to, by the way, innovation, right? Um, decision-making and, and moving business forward and staying ahead of the pack. And autocratic leadership and in my mind, autocratic leadership, just to define it, is, is more of a, is, is dictating as, a part, as opposed to engaging others in the process, in the decision-making, and ensuring people are contributing meaningfully to the organization. And so if the knee-jerk reaction is, in order to, to, to survive this crisis, we need to lead solely from the top in an autocratic fashion, then that will be detrimental to the organization. As you said at the beginning, Frank, we need leaders 
who know how to bring out the very best of their people, right? Who know how to build the engagement needed to get the tremendous amount of work done and to move business forward into this new world. And if you look at um, Marcus Buckingham's most recent research on global engagement levels, right? And I wrote an article um, in Forbes about that um, entitled, The Results Are In, right? Um, Employee engagement strategies aren't working. And that that research that I, I, I write about in that article from Marcus and in my interview with Marcus Buckingham shows that, you know, um, the only two ways we are going to create greater engagement in our organization, and by the way, engagement is dropping. Organizations spend, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars a year, historically, on strengthening engagement. Okay. They spend a ton of money and that money isn't having an impact. The strategies that organizations are using currently are not having an impact. In the U.S., engagement has dropped by 2% over the past five years. In Canada, we've only moved the needle, and I'm based in Canada, we, we've only moved the needle forward by 2%, which is dismal. And so this global, the largest study on on employee engagement shows, and it was conducted in August, that there are only two things that have a significant impact on employee engagement. The first is effective team, being a part of an effective team. And the second is trust in our leaders. And that is critical. Nicole, we're going to take a break right here, Nicole. Hold that thought. We're going to come back and and jump right back into there again. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Bendeley is as good as it gets. Do not go away. You don't want to miss the rest of this show. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. 
That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Frank Zakari, and we're talking with Nicole Bendeley, and this is something you do not want to miss, ladies and gentlemen. We are not going to go back to business as usual. The old normal is over. Nicole Bendeley is an expert in this area. She has written books. She does seminars, and she has a whole business practice of over 30 years in helping organizations moving forward. Now, just before the break, Nicole was talking about the two about engagement and how engagement in the workforce pre-COVID was dropping, and she was telling us what the two factors from her interview were that that lead to better uh, production and engagement. So, Nicole, please continue. Right. So those thanks, Frank. So those two factors, as we said, are are according to this research, um, which and and not just this research. I see this every day with the clients that that we work with. The two keys to strengthening employee engagement are ensuring effective teams. When I'm a part of an effective team, I am more highly engaged. Is what the research shows. Right. And the second is trust in our leaders. The research shows that when an individual trusts their leader, they're 12 times more likely to be highly engaged. We want highly engaged people in our organizations. And right now, the research shows that 84% of people, and this is around the world, are simply coming to work, to quote the the research, right? Simply showing up and doing, you know, uh, the what's required, right? They are not highly engaged in contributing more meaningfully to moving the organization forward, right? And so trust, building trust in leaders within an organization or as a leader, building trust in your team so that they are fully engaged is not an autocratic approach, right? We trust our leaders when we believe they care about us, right, as, as individuals. And by care, I mean um, that our leaders are looking for opportunities to connect us to meaningful work. And in order for leaders to connect us to meaningful work, our leaders need to know what's important to each of their team members and have meaningful conversations to discover, you know, what. How, what does your, a great day look like for you, right? What would be most meaningful to you as far as work to contribute in a meaningful way? And so in this article on Forbes, I share a number of questions that leaders should be asking regularly to better understand the needs of their team members, to better build trust 
right? Um, and so trust is at the heart of building engagement, and that's going to be even more needed in this new world. So autocratic, an autocratic approach is, is, uh, <laughs> does not promote engagement. <laughs> it, it kills it, right? It absolutely kills it. Um, and that's what I was saying where I think it's going to be a bigger shift for leaders in this new world in looking at how they lead now and, and really allowing some vulnerability and introspection in the self-respect, in the self-reflection and asking as a leader, how am I leading now? What are the traits that I'm demonstrating um, in my leadership style? How are those working for me? How are those traits working for my team? Right? And how will I need to lead going forward? Where will I need to adjust my style and how I support my leaders, or sorry, my team members, and how I communicate with them and how I build trust? Right. And Mm -hmm. so there will be some work required for leaders, all of us to do as we shift and prepare our teams and ourselves for this new reality. Now, Nicole, in addition to everything else you do, you write an article for Forbes. You're a contributor. And I read an article you wrote uh, called Leading High Performing Remote Teams, where you addressed seven critical steps. Share some of those. Yeah, I'll share the most important ones. And what I'd really like to just sort of help leaders take a breath right now, because leaders are really overwhelmed, right? Really overwhelmed right now. And so when I share these practices, my intent is to, A, create greater awareness of what exceptional leadership looks like and and some best practices. And while... There are seven. I certainly don't expect leaders to jump in on all seven and feel like they need to do all seven at once. The purpose is, yes, to create greater awareness and then provide, you know, the option, okay, now that you know this, what's one place you're going to start, right, to shift your leadership and to strengthen your team members and overall team's effectiveness, So please keep that in mind as I share these best practices. It's not my intent to overwhelm you. It's my intent to help you determine where to start first. It's the little things that will make the biggest difference, and we need to start in one place, right, in one area. And so I want to start with the first practice around building cohesion, okay? Building a cohesive team is a team that, pulled together in the same direction, right? They are a team that is connected to their purpose. They know exactly what they are there to achieve as a team and how they are going to get there. So when I ask teams, um, what does success, so if I were to meet with a team, one of my first questions is, what does success look like for your team? And oftentimes, Um, teams can't answer that question, right? They're often clear on what the vision for the organization is, and they know their KPIs maybe and some of their their goals. Um, But overall, as a team, what are you striving to achieve, right? And teams need to be very connected to that North Star, 
for their team because that will enable however you define success, however your team defines success, will then enable you to determine how we're going to get there, right? So my next question for teams is often, all right, what are your top three priorities for achieving success, right? And we won't know where to focus our attention unless we know what success looks like. And success looks different now for many teams, right? And I'm encountering that many, many teams have not paused to check in on what does success look like now compared to what it looked like three months ago, right? There are a lot of teams who are doing, working on different objectives now, whose whole work has shifted, their purpose has shifted as a result. Manufacturing teams are, organizations are retooling and and producing different products for maybe different types of clients, for example. And so success looks different. Um, And so taking time to pause with your team and ask, what does success look like for us right now? What are we working towards achieving? That is the first question you should be asking your team in order to support greater engagement and productivity. Um, with your team to ensure everybody is pulling in the same direction. Then once you get clear on that, you can ask, okay, what are our top three priorities? And by priorities, I don't mean tasks and initiatives. I mean big priorities. Is safety a priority for your team? Is quality a priority? Is customer experience a priority? Is team member well-being a priority, right? Priorities have likely shifted since COVID, right? And they will likely shift again. Um, And that's why we need to stay connected to what are our most important priorities in our ability to achieve success as we've defined it as a team, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next piece of, of cohesion is, all right, these are our priorities, What are the behaviors and practices that are most important to our ability to work together effectively to achieve success? And those behaviors and practices probably look different today than they did pre-COVID when we were working face-to-face, for example, right? Behaviors and practices, for example, that are more important today than they were before is what I'm seeing from the teams that we support is team member well-being, right? You know, how do we care and show compassion and patience for one another and support each other through this, right? Communication, the way in which we communicate and best practices around how are we going to communicate so that we're not overwhelming each other, right? So getting clear on the way in which those visible behaviors and practices that are most important to our ability to work effectively together in this new world of work to achieve our definition of success. So if you are feeling that you're leading a team that's disjointed or isn't, it doesn't have that sense of teamness where people are clear and connected to where the team is going and how they're going to get there, then cohesiveness is the place to start. Um, so, Frank, I'm just going to pause to see if before I go to the other couple of um, items to see if there's anything that maybe would be helpful with greater clarity around cohesiveness. 
cohesiveness is tremendous. Because one of the things that I hear a lot is, um, I'm going to stay with my best practice. All right, and I and I have to laugh when I hear that, Nicole. And I try not to laugh at the individual because best practice is a point in time. Best practice is not gospel and is not written in stone. I've heard you talk about you need to be looking for the next practice. Now, how does that fit mm-hmm. into the cohesion? Yeah, absolutely. Part of being an exceptional team and being an exceptional leader is working with our heads up, right? It's easy to fall into the habit of working with our heads down, focusing on our tremendously long lists of to-dos every day, right? But exceptional teams raise their heads, look around, right? Look around the team, look around at the organization, look at the system in which we work, look at the external factors and ask, okay, is what we're doing now what we need to be doing or are there areas that we need to pivot, right? Do our, are our best practices, are those behaviors and practices the most important ones that we need to be committing to given now where we need to go? What's shifting and how are we going to shift um, so that we can lead that shift? You know what I mean? So it's about being responsive and not reactive. And the only way we can be responsive is by, intentionally pausing and asking what do we need to be doing differently in order to achieve even greater success, in order to be even more engaged, in order to be even more efficient, whatever it is that you want to achieve. It's about pausing and asking your team and yourself, what is it that we need to start doing differently? Exactly. The... the best practice, there's, there's histories littered with people who just blindly follow their best practice and they're no longer Absolutely. exist. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, after cohesion, right, um, and I'm not saying that, that cohesiveness is the most important piece. They are all these practices or these seven elements of a high-performance team are all interrelated. But cohesiveness is absolutely a place to start, and it's, it's often an easy place for people to start because it's practical, right? It, it's, it's a, it can be a very tactical step-by-step approach. Whereas the next element, which is creating a healthy team climate, which I, I am going to put a stake in the ground here and, and draw a line in the sand that says healthy team climate is the most important. And this is another one of those seven elements that are essential to where we are now in this new world of work. A healthy team climate is one in which team members feel free to be themselves, right? It's a psychologically safe environment in which team members feel comfortable asking questions, sharing ideas, challenging the status quo, and rocking the boat with the intention, the positive intention of helping the team and the organization make the best decisions possible, right? In order to be innovative, in order to be creative and, and move business forward, we need teams that include people who are looking at things differently, right, and are, are sharing ideas that may not be part of the way we do things around here, but feel comfortable speaking up and sharing those for the greater purpose of the org, moving the business forward. And so if your team, if you feel that there is conflict within your team, that there's not a lack of, there's not a, a lot of trust, 
between your your coworkers and those you lead. Um, if you feel you're noticing there's a lack of participation, right, on your Zoom calls, right, or your teleconferences when you ask for, you know, any feedback or sharing of ideas and it's radio silence on the other end, if you're seeing that more and more, that's a good sign that we need to take a look at the health of our climate. And when the climate is, is weaker or isn't as healthy as it could be, it really rests on the leader to take the lead in rebuilding the trust required for people to shine, right, and be engaged and feel comfortable being themselves. Um, and so that requires the leader building that trust. And that isn't a, a quick fix, right? Building a healthy climate takes time, um, and the leader needs to lead that. Um, and if the leader can't lead the, the rebuilding of trust and rebuilding of a healthy climate on their own, reach out to your own HR or organizational development people to get the support you need to, to bring your team together to, to rebuild trust. And a couple of things you can do is creating greater um, opportunities for community, right? How are we taking time as a team to come together to just have fun virtually, right? How are we taking time as a team to check in with one another? How are you as a leader taking time to just check in with your team members, not for the purpose of a status update, but for the purpose of really hearing how they're doing and taking a genuine interest in how they're doing right now, right? Absolutely. Another way to, sorry, go ahead. Nicole, hold that thought. We're going to come right sure. back on that team reset after the break. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Bendeley will be back for the third segment that you do not want to miss. Stay with us. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% 
actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is our third segment from Nicole Bendeley. Nicole is an expert in building teams and building highly efficient, high-performing teams. She has a company. She's been doing this for 30 years, ladies and gentlemen. There is nobody better than Nicole Bendeley in this area. Now, Nicole, we were talking just before the break about connecting. Leaders have have to take the lead here and, and learn to build trust and connect. Now, I was at one of your webinars, and I listened to you talk, and you were talking about holding a team reset meeting. Now, what does that mean, and how, what, what should those meetings consist of? Okay, great question. So, a team reset meeting is, is exactly like what it sounds like, like resetting your team. This is about pausing and reconnecting your team to where they need to go and to how they're going to get there together, right? A team reset meeting helps to create the dialogue within your team that's needed to clarify expectations and to build even greater trust. So I'm going to walk through it with you. Um, A team reset meeting ideally requires about an hour and a half or two hours, or you could chunk it into a couple of different meetings. And the purpose is, A, to acknowledge the current state of things, right? To acknowledge the extreme amounts of stress (laughs) that your team has experienced over the past few months, right? Not only to acknowledge, but to appreciate and show gratitude for your team members and and the accomplishments that have been achieved, um, no matter how small, already throughout this crisis. Okay, so the first part is grounding and acknowledgement and appreciation, The second purpose of of a reset meeting is to get clear on what success looks like. So maybe your team already has a very clear what I call success statement, a a powerful statement that describes the future state of what the team is working towards, right, that's clear and descriptive and measurable. Maybe you already have that and great then you can reconnect your team to what success looks like in this reset meeting. If you don't, now is the time to ask, okay, so what does success look like for us? What is it that we're working towards as a team? So you want to define what success looks like with your team. The next piece is, again, that question of, okay, what are the priorities we need to focus on to get there? That's just the third piece of your reset meeting is getting clear on those most important priorities because people are spinning, right, and are reactive right now. There's a lot of work. And so we want to take people, lift people's heads up, 
right from the heads down approach and focus on the most important priorities so that we can better time management, right? Better manage our time. We, once we're clear on where we need to focus as far as priorities, we as team members can do a better job of deciding, should I be focusing on this initiative right now or this initiative right now, now that I know what our priorities are? If a team doesn't have clear priorities, it's like herding cats. People are pulling in different directions, focusing on initiatives and and working on tasks that will not lead the team to where they need to go. And it becomes very difficult to manage time. So part of your team reset meeting is either identifying or reconnecting to the most important priorities for the team, right? It's also about clarifying expectations. And by clarifying expectations, I mean clarifying things like, okay, what do we need to do differently? How should we communicate from this point forward? Is how we've been communicating working or not? What should we be doing differently in how we work together, right? So clarifying this um, expectations around, for example, how will we maintain and support team member well-being? How will we maintain a sense of community or create a greater sense of community when we're so used to and get so energized from seeing each other in the office, how can we recreate that to a degree but virtually, right? Um, How will we make decisions? How will we um, uh, work on a day-to-day basis, right? Getting clear on some expectations. Clarify how people need to work. And one of the ways you can do that is by the through the development of team agreements. And team agreements are behaviors and practices that your team members identify as essential to a healthy climate and to a cohesive team and to working effectively together. So in your team reset meeting, at the towards the end, once you've clarified success and priorities, you can clarify expectations by simply asking, okay, what do we need to do to be an even better team, knowing where we need to go? And invite your team members to share their perspective, capture those visible behaviors and practices, and come to agreement on five to seven behaviors and practices that your team identifies as most important to their ability to work effectively together towards achieving success in this new reality that they're in. Team agreement change behavior for the better. And simply asking for that input shows that you care about your team members' experiences. You want to hear from them and, and understand what they believe is needed in order for the team to work even more effectively together. So those are the aspects of, um, of, of a team reset meeting. And you can facilitate this yourself. You can ask for internal support. Um, and it's, it's a very, very powerful way to both build trust and cohesion and build engagement. Now, Nicole, when I was listening to your webinar, one of the things that you pointed out and stressed quite heavily was care for self and care for others. Expand on that. Yes. Okay, I just want us to do a collective deep breath <laughs> as we think about caring for self and for others because 
Right now, as we've been saying throughout uh, this conversation, is is the amount of stress people are experiencing, and leaders are no exception to that, right? Leaders have very broad shoulders, and many leaders tend to want to fix things and take things on for their team members, right? And, and that weighs heavily on leaders. And so in order, it goes back to putting, you know, the oxygen mask on yourself first before helping somebody else because you need to be well in order to help and support others. So um, managing your own well-being, whether it's some resilience and mindfulness practices, whether it's just pausing throughout the day to take some deep, deep breaths, to go for a walk, right? Whatever works for you, pausing in the day to play with your kids and taking a break, um, whatever works for you, do it, right? Care for yourself and ensure that you're finding time to take breaks and manage your, your both physical, emotional, and mental well-being so that you can then better support others as well. So caring for yourself is actually a selfless act. And I do a lot of work in, in healthcare. And that, for example, a lot of healthcare leaders are all about helping others, helping others and feel selfish, taking time for themselves. And in fact, it's a selfless act because when you are well um, and resilient, you can help your team members. And caring for others is exactly what I said earlier, checking in compassionately, genuinely, letting your team members know that you're there to support them. Um, Caring for others is thinking twice before you send an email at nine at night. Um, uh, Some leaders love to just get everything out of their brains and put it in email and send. Um, So if that's you, fine, that's okay. But caring for others is also letting your team members know that it's okay that they don't respond right away, that their evenings are theirs, right? Um, it may be saving that email to automatically send in the morning, right? Um, caring for others is encouraging others to take breaks, to focus on self and to focus on some mindfulness. So one tip that I've been seeing happen more and more in teams, and I've included them in my team meeting, is a mindfulness check-in at the beginning of team meetings where team members just start take take three deep breaths together or share one word, a one-word check-in on how they're feeling. It could be, I feel awesome, or it could be, I'm really overwhelmed right now. And that act of just inviting people to share one word that reflects how they're feeling in that moment there's no deep dive. There's no trying to fix things or, or talk about going deep into where people are at. It's just acknowledging and creating space that it's okay. We're all going to be in different places and creating the space to hear that. And then as a leader, you know, if Jane is feeling overwhelmed, maybe I shouldn't give her this project right after this meeting. Maybe instead I should check in and ask how she's doing, right? So finding opportunities to create practices within your everyday for yourself and for your team that promotes care and compassion and well-being. Well, Nicole, we are just about out of time here. What, what's your fi- what final word of advice do you have for people coming out of this? Yeah, I think as leaders, um, find one, one place to start, right? 
one aspect of supporting and developing your team and yourself. So whether it's building greater cohesion, whether it's building a healthier climate, whether it's it's taking just um, uh, self-care or care for others, of everything that we've just shared, choose one place to start, right? Don't overwhelm yourself. It's simply about continuing to move forward, but moving forward in a way that's going to have the biggest impact, the best impact um, for yourself and your team. So choose one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to hear from a, from a more knowledgeable expert than Nicole Bendeley. Now, as I said, we're almost out of time. Nicole, thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom with our audience around the world. Thank you so much, Frank. I really appreciated um, the opportunity, and um, I wish everybody the best of luck who's listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up here, no matter what life throws at you, I want you to do three things. I want you to look and never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people will enter your life. I want to thank my sponsors once again, the Abraham Group, the Tag Group, Tag Team, which is a which is a collaboration between the Abraham Group, led by Jay Abraham, and Life Altering Events, my company, and we are out there to assist emerging entrepreneurs. We are looking for the best of the best, and if you feel you can make a difference, go to my website, frankzakari.com. And you'll see the tag team application there. This is going to be by invitation only. We're looking for the best of the best, as I mentioned. If you'd like more information about Nicole and my other guests, send me a send me an email, and I'll make sure it gets to them. If you've missed any of this show, you can listen or any of our other shows. You can listen to them on any number of on-demand stations now, including iHeartRadio, Google, Alexa, or at my uh, website, FrankSakari.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me leave you with this. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Nicole showed us all where a lot of those rocks are. Join me again next week as we look into another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cup.